0: Today, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are a child of God. You are a child of God. In John chapter one, verse 11, speaking of Jesus, it says, he came into his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. Verse 12 says, but as many as received him, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. Now, think about that. That is crazy. That is is absurd. That is absolutely crazy. The the creator God of everything, and look around, the the creator God of all things, the, the powerful, magnificent, marvelous God of the world, of the universe, he calls you and he calls me by faith in Jesus Christ, his child. We are His children. I have a question for you. If you are a child of God, how are you doing as a slave of the Master? Did you hear that? If you are a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ, if you are a child of God, how are you doing as a slave? Of the Master. You see, our response to our salvation, our response to our unearned sonship or daughtership is to commit and to submit to the service of our Master. We are to be his slaves. Don't hear that very much. Does it doesn't fit our consumer-driven view of Christianity today. We do not preach that very much. But friends, that is, that is the biblical model. That is the, the biblical call. In, in response to our great salvation, in submission to our Savior as Lord, we are to be his slaves. So today, how are you doing as a slave of the Master? So I was preparing this today, I was thinking about writing a book on the theology of the slave. And it would probably sell exactly no copies, but the truth is we are to be slaves in involuntary sense, we submit ourselves, we give ourselves to the glory of our Lord as his slaves. Today we finished a set of 3 messages that we find as Jesus stands now just 25 miles from the cross of Calvary. As our Lord Jesus begins the final leg to the cross, as he walks these last steps on the road to our redemption, he tells us now of our call to be slaves. Our message today is entitled, Well Done, Good Slave. Well done, Good slave. Today we're in Luke chapter 19. We're going to look at verses 11 through 27, a pretty big section of verses. Today, Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 11, moving all the way to verse 27. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 19, beginning here in the 11th verse. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. So he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called 10 of his slaves and gave them 10 minas and said to them, do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that he might know what business they had done. The first appeared saying, master, your mina has made 10 minas more. And he said to him, well done, good slave, because you've been faithful in a very little thing you are to be in authority over 10 cities. The second came saying, your mina master has made five minas. And he said to him also, and you are to be over five cities. Another came saying, master, here is your mina, which I kept put away in a handkerchief for I was afraid of you because you are an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down and reap what you did not sow." He said to him, by your own words, I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you know that I am an exacting man, taking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you not put my money in the bank and having come, I would have collected it with interest? Then he said to the bystanders, take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. And they said to him, master, he has 10 minas already. I tell you that to everyone who has, more shall be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. But these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them hair and slay them in my presence. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful for the truth of your word, thankful for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for our Savior revealed to us through your word. I pray today as we would study that we would hear from you that it would be truly a a supernatural event, that it wouldn't be the, the, the lecture of a man, the words of a man, but it would be the words of God, again, living and active, Again, giving voice today into our hearts. I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would lead, that you would direct, that you would convict. Pray for some here that do not know Christ, that they might be saved in the hearing of your word. Lord, we come and we just ask that at this time, you, you again would reveal it, open it up to us. Remove any hindrance. Speak to your people. And then we pray that the end result will be you will be greatly glorified. We love you, we praise you. I worship you and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now in our verses today, there's a lot to see, a lot to cover, really a lot to bring out of our verses today. So very quickly, let's go back to our verses. Beginning today in verse 11, and it starts off and it says this. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. Now see the context here in verse 11. Here so far in Jericho, we have seen, again, just a short 25 miles from Jerusalem, a one-day's journey to the place of the cross of Calvary. We have seen some very profound things about our Lord. Here we have seen his love. Oh, we have seen his love. As he comes through with the the great crowd and as he stops and there is blind Bartimaeus, a man with no hope, a man really with no chance of hope if the Savior passes by and Jesus coming by stops and he is saved and we see here the love of our Savior. We also see here at this juncture his grace. and We see now as he's in, in the city, as he travels to the city again with the same crowd as he now comes and he looks up into a tree and there is a peculiar sight there in the tree. There is a sinner, there is a thief, Zacchaeus, And he strains his neck and he looks there out of the tree trying to look on to our Savior Jesus. And in grace, Jesus calls him by name. And Zacchaeus on this trip is also saved. And we see Jesus' grace here. With the backdrop of Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus, he then declares his mission. He says, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, he's revealing himself as the Messiah and they're showing his love and showing his grace. He tells us his mission and it's it's an awesome thing. He says, the son of man, the Messiah, has come to seek and to save that which is lost. I wanna tell you, that's an awesome thing because that included me. That included you. 25 miles from the cross of Calvary, he's talking about you. I came to seek him out and to save those who are lost. And then the Bible says, and while they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable. Now, what are, what are these things that they're listening to. Now these things included Jesus' declaration that he is the Messiah. And that's what he's saying, the son of man. I, I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, and that I have, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. And so some of these things that they were hearing, it was this declaration of Christ. I am the Messiah, and I've come to seek out and to save that which is lost. Also these things included here Zacchaeus' declaration that he was giving away half of his wealth and that he was paying back all that he stole. Now get this, it ties in, it's a big deal. These people just heard Rich Zacchaeus, set up Zacchaeus, declare that he was checking out of the world's system. And that's really what he did here. After he put his faith in Jesus Christ, he just made the declaration that he's gonna give away half of his wealth. And after he gives away half of his wealth, he's gonna pay back those that he's defrauded. He says fourfold. Understand what he's doing here. He's gonna break himself. He's not gonna have any money left. But more than that, Those Romans, those Romans who liked his unscrupulous collection methods, they're gonna be done with him. They're gonna have no use for him. He's given up his position. Be sure here, Zacchaeus got saved and then he declares he's checking out of the world system. He declares it. Good job, Zacchaeus. And hearing those things, Jesus then tells a parable. Jesus says he's come to seek and to save that which is lost, those which are lost. Zacchaeus says, you know what, I'm turning my back. There's no eternal value here and he's checking out of the world system and hearing those things, Jesus now then tells this parable. Verse 11, it continues on and it says, because he was near Jerusalem and they supposed, they believed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. Understand, Jesus tells this parable because they misunderstood why he was going to Jerusalem. Jesus tells this parable because they misunderstood what was gonna happen once he got to Jerusalem. You see, they thought, they supposed that he was going these 25 miles and they supposed that he was doing it to claim an earthly throne. They supposed that when he got there to Jerusalem to the capital city, he was gonna stir up a, a revolution. They supposed that when he got to Jerusalem that he was, gonna, he was gonna raise up an army and he was gonna get the horses back and he was gonna get the chariots back and he's gonna put the army back in shape and, and there in the capital city, he's gonna raise up an army. They supposed that he's going to overthrow Rome and finally, once and for all, he's going to put Israel back on top. But they misunderstood what would happen in Jerusalem because they misunderstood it is a different kingdom. And so it's a different perspective because it's a different kingdom. It's a different mission because it's a different kingdom. It wasn't the mission that they expected. It's gonna be a different outcome because it's a different kingdom and they misunderstood. Showing how much they misunderstand, in a short while, they will shout as Jesus comes down the hill into Jerusalem, they will shout, Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're pointing to Jesus, Blessed is this king who comes in the name of the Lord. But by the week's end, they're going to crucify that king. They misunderstood what was going to happen in Jerusalem. And so here's the parable, beginning in verse 12. So he said, a nobleman, a nobleman, went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then returned. Listen to that again. And he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then returned. Verse 12 is a very loaded verse. Verse 12 is a very heavy verse. It says, there is a nobleman, It literally translates, a man of noble birth. There is a nobleman, a man of noble birth. Now this is representing Jesus himself. Jesus is talking about himself. There is a nobleman, and then it says, then that nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself. The nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself. Now this trip, this journey, is talking about the earthly ministry and the earthly mission of Jesus Christ. Very specifically, it is talking about his journey in human flesh to the cross and to the grave and to his resurrection. And in that journey, he is going to receive a kingdom for himself. Now that is tremendous. Now I'll just tell you, I, I have a hard time. I would like to preach a little bit right here on that part of the verse, but we have a lot ahead, but I'm just gonna go ahead and say this. Be sure to understand this. The nobleman got his kingdom. Be sure and understand that. The nobleman got his kingdom by the way of cr- the cross, by the way of Calvary, standing there in the power and the victory of the resurrection. The nobleman got his kingdom. The most important phrase, however, is at the end of the verse, I believe. Listen to verse 12 again. And so he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And then return. Stay with me. He is talking about here the second coming of Jesus Christ. He is talking about here the fact that Jesus is coming again. Now the trip is finished. He is resurrected from the grave. He's ascended to heaven. But this is talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying here, we live in light of the crucified Christ, yes. We live in light of the risen Lord, praise God, yes. But he's saying here, listen, as Christians, We are to live in light of the coming King. And on the very front of our minds and very quick in our mission is the truth that Jesus Christ is coming again very soon. Listen to me, church. We have to live our lives, we have to order our lives according to the truth that the King is coming. The King is coming. I just heard the trumpet sound, and soon his face I'll see. That is our reality as Christians. The King is coming. How you live as a slave is directly decided by how you see the second coming. Do you understand that? How you live and how you endeavor and how you operate as a slave is directly tied to how you see the second coming. As Christians, we have to live with the view that very soon Jesus is coming again. Verse 13. And he called 10 of his slaves and gave them 10 minas and said to them, do business with this until I come back. He calls 10 slaves and he gave each of them one mina. Now, the 10 slaves represent his followers. If we are saved, they could represent us as well. It says that each one is given a mina. Let me lay this out so we understand it. A mina was the equivalent of a 100 drachma. A drachma is the equivalent of one day's Wages. And so these 10 slaves, they are called in, and he gives them the, the, the equivalent of a hundred days' worth of wages. Very simply, he gives them just about three months' worth of pay. And so he calls them in, he gives them about three months' worth of pay, and then he gives them the instructions do business with this until I come back. Again, it reflecting his coming back. Do do business with this until I come back. Now, let me just tell you here in case we have forgotten, the goal of business is to make a gain. The goal of business, the reason that you have a business is to make a profit. That's the reason that we do business. That's why you would open a business is that you would make a profit. He says, well, here is three months worth of pay. Do business with this until I come again. Now see the picture here. As Christians, now listen, as Christians, we are slaves. As Christians, we are servants. Now what Jesus is unfolding here for us As servants, it means that we are stewards to the master. It means we have a stewardship to the master. It means that we have a responsibility to the master. It means we have a duty to the master. As Christians, we're slaves. As those slaves, as those servants, we have a stewardship, a responsibility to the master. Now notice something here. The mina here, it's still the masters. This is not a loan. He doesn't show up and say, I'm gonna loan you this. It's not some sort of gift. It's not some sort of bonus. You've been a good slave and so here's a bonus. It is still the masters. It's still his, but they are to use it for business and they're to be stewards of it. Verse 14. But his citizens hated him. And sent a delegation after him saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. Now, verse 14 is an interesting verse. It's kind of, it's kind of out of context here. It's going it's to tie in with another verse. And really, I believe he puts it in for some of the folks that are listening there. But it says, The citizens hate this man. Well, The citizens here, it's representing the Jewish leaders. It's representing the scribes and the Pharisees and the priests. And it says that they hated him. The Greek here for hated, in its lightest sense, means that they disregarded him. In its harshest sense, it means that they detested him, that they loathed him. Now we're very soon gonna know which one that they're speaking of as these same guys, as these citizens lead out in the shouts of crucify him, crucify him, I found nothing wrong with them, crucify him. They hate him, they loathe him, these citizens. Verse 15, when he returned, after receiving the kingdom he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that they might know so that he might know what business they had done now verse 15 is about a testing of the slaves it is a reckoning with the slaves you see they were given a mission they held a duty they were Placed as stewards, and now there is a reckoning. There is a testing of the slaves. Now, friends, believers, listen to me. I don't think we hear this very much. I think we we talk about salvation and we end at salvation. But as believers, as Christians, we are accountable and we are responsible, and we will give an answer. That's what the Bible says. Romans chapter 14, 2 Corinthians chapter five says, at the judgment seat, we will answer. Each of us will give an account of himself before God. Listen, there is a testing of the slaves. That's what verse 15, there's a testing of the slaves. Verse 16, the first appears saying, master, your mina has made 10 minas more. Great return, three months wages, he's taken it, this person's taken it, and they've now multiplied it and there's now 30 months worth of wages. They took three months of pay and they've turned it into just short of three years worth of pay, a great return, verse 17. And he said to him, well done, good slave, because you've been faithful in a very little thing, you are to be in authority over 10 cities. Verse 18, the second came saying, your mina master has made five minas. Verse 19, and he said to him also, and you are to be over five cities. These, they were good stewards. They were responsible stewards for the master. Verse 20, another came saying, master, here is your mina, which I kept put away in a handkerchief. Here's this servant. He says, here's your mina. I kept it. He just wrapped it up. He kept it in a handkerchief. Verse 21. For I was afraid of you because you are an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down and you reap what you did not sow. This man says, I just, I just took your mina and I kept it wrapped up in a handkerchief because I was afraid of you. He says, you are an exacting man. It means a strict man. It literally translates, you are a dry man. You are an unbending man. He says, master, I was afraid of you. You're a dry man. You're a a strict man. Now that's what he says, but see the truth. Look at verse 22. He said to him, By your own words, I'll judge you. He says, that's what you say. I'm gonna use your own words to show you that's not what you believe. He said, by your own words, I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you know that I am an exacting man taking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? He says, that's what you say. Verse 23. Then why did you not put my money in the bank? And having come, I would have collected it with interest. Now see what's revealed here in verse 23. The master says to him, you didn't really believe I was a hard man. He says, you've said that, but you really didn't believe I was a hard man. But instead, what it was that you didn't believe, you didn't believe that I was coming back. That's what he's revealing here. He says, if you'd have known that I was a hard man, if you'd have known that I was a strict man, and if you'd have believed that I was coming back, you would have at least put it in the bank where it would have drawn some interest. But he says, the whole thing here, you didn't believe I was coming back. Because you didn't believe I was coming back, you did nothing. You, you wrapped it up, you, you stored it away, and you went back to the things of your life. Now, I want you to see this in verse 22. He doesn't disown him. He doesn't call him not a slave. This is not talking about salvation. But what he says to the man is you didn't see the urgency of the day. You didn't see the importance of the mission. You didn't think that I would come in back and so you took up your cause instead of my cause and for my cause you've been a worthless slave. Listen to me. God forbid that that would be us. God forbid that that would be our lives. God forbid that we would meet Jesus and we'd have to tell the Savior, I did my bidding in this life. I did my business in this life and I've neglected your business and to you I've been a worthless slave God forbid that would be the story of our life I didn't really think you were coming back I got busy with my stuff I've been worthless verse 24 then he said to the bystanders take the Mina away from him and give it to the one who has the 10 minas. They don't like that. Listen to verse 25. And they said to him, Master, he has 10 minas already. That doesn't seem fair. And they said, Master, he has 10 minas already. Verse 26. I tell you that to everyone who has, more shall be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Now let me show you very quickly here some things about slaves. First is this in God's system, in God's economy for slaves, it's all about faithfulness. I can't say that enough. For slaves, it's all about faithfulness. The currency of a slave, it's faithfulness. The call of a slave is to be faithful. That's the currency that a slave trades in. He says he already has 10. He says, take it away and give it to the other one. It's all about faithfulness. As a slave, we're called to be faithful. That's the currency we trade in. It's all about faithfulness. Second, for slaves the reward is proportionate to their faithfulness for the slave the reward is proportionate to their faithfulness 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 8 says everyone shall receive his own reward according to his labor It's tied to your reward. Everyone shall receive his own reward according to his labor. As a slave, listen to me. If you have been faithful, and to the extent that you have been faithful, you shall receive your reward. Praise Jesus. For slaves, the reward is proportionate to their faithfulness. Third, this is very awesome. For slaves, The reward, listen, far exceeds the investment. For slaves, the reward far exceeds the investment. That is the hope of the slave. That is the joy of the slave. That is the reward of the slave. The reward far far exceeds the investment. That's what Jesus says. This slave took the one and he turned it into the 10. He took three months and he turned it into 30 months. And now the, the, the master comes and he says, good job slave, you're a faithful slave. You took the one and you turned it into 10 such a small thing. But he says, now I've put you over 10 cities. As far as you can see, your reward far exceeds the investment. Now see the context of this whole thing. Here's Zacchaeus. And he comes and he makes a declaration that he's checked out of the world's system. And he comes and he says, Half my wealth, you can take it right off the top. He comes and says, Anything I've defrauded, anybody four times as much, I'll give it away. And he says, you know what? I'm gonna lose my position, but I don't care. He says, you know what? I'm gonna be broke, but I don't care. He says, you know what? I see nothing of eternal value here. There's nothing of any worth here. And he gives it all away. And he says, I am checking out of the world system. And Jesus says, oh, good slave. Oh, faithful slave. There's nothing that you'll walk away from that you won't have many times treasure in heaven. Good job, Zacchaeus. One last set of people. It's the citizens who hated him. He addresses them in this parable as well. He closes it out, verse 27. But these, listen to this, enemies of mine, Jesus. But these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slay them in my presence. Here, 25 miles from the cross of Calvary here in Jericho, we see his love for the hopeless. We see his grace for sinners. It's extended to all, even to the unlikeliest of sinners. He shows them grace. But here, 25 miles from the cross, we see his judgment. And he's not so unfair that he doesn't tell them there's a judgment that's coming for those who rejected him. And he lays it out here, 20 miles from the cross, there is a judgment for those who reject me. He lays it out. couldn't stop there. I couldn't stop there without reading verse 28. After showing his love to Bartimaeus, after showing his grace to Zacchaeus, after stating his mission that he came to seek and to save that which is lost includes a sinner like me, after telling of his justice and his judgment that's coming, Verse 28 says, and after he had said these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Oh, what a Savior. He turns and starts to walk the road to the cross of Calvary. He starts to walk the road where he'll be ridiculed and mocked and brutally killed for the sins of mankind. Oh, what a Savior. Friends, I have resolved that one day I'm gonna meet Jesus. That's the biblical truth of it. That's what Jesus says. I'm gonna tell you one day I'm gonna meet Jesus. One day I'm gonna meet Jesus. One day I don't I don't even know what that's gonna look like. I can't even imagine it. One day I'm gonna look him in the face. One day I'm gonna see Jesus, my Savior. One day I'm gonna see Jesus the Lamb of God. Jesus, the one that stops here in Jericho and and shows his love to blind Bartimaeus. Jesus, the one that in grace saves Zacchaeus. Jesus, the one in steadfast resolution for the joy set before him, sets his path and he walks to Jerusalem. Jesus, who's accused falsely. Jesus, who's abandoned. Jesus, who's stretched out and he's nailed to the cross and his blood runs out and it should have been my blood and they kill him on the cross. Jesus, who they take down and they put him in a tomb. Jesus, who three days later walks out of that tomb and he's risen and he's ascended now to heaven. One day, I'm gonna see Jesus. And I'm resolved. I don't know what all I could do. I don't know what I'll do, but I'll tell you, I think the greatest thing that I could ever give to him the greatest act of thankfulness that I could ever express to him, the greatest worship that I could ever offer to him, the greatest show of my love to him, the greatest response to the blood that he shed that should have been my blood, to the death that he died that should have been my death, to the shame that I heaped on top of him, to the sin that he had to save me from in his grace, the greatest tribute that I could ever give to my king is that when he sees me, he can say, this is a slave. God, give us the resolve. God, help us to endure that we could be called slave. And after he said these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Let's pray. Dear heavenly father I'm so thankful for my savior Jesus who for my sin and who bearing my shame endured the ridicule and the pain and the shame of the cross I'm thankful for Jesus my savior my redeemer my king thankful that he is risen today that he's resurrected he's defeated death, that he stands as the victor, that the penalty's paid. And I'm thankful for Jesus that's coming again, coming again. The king is coming. I'm thankful for a soon coming king. And I pray in light of Jesus that I would submit and that I would commit and I would live as a slave to the glory of his name. Help us in that, Lord. Lord, I pray as we begin to wrap this up today, I pray that you've spoken. I believe that you have. I pray that we would be changed today. We'd have a different priority set as we hear the truth of your word. Pray for some that do not know Christ today. Maybe they've heard about him, but they've never put their faith personally in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Pray that today might be that day they would claim you as Lord. I ask in our time of invitation now that you would move, that you would work, that you would speak. Pray that in all of this that you've been and will be greatly glorified. I tell you I love you. I worship you and I praise you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.